Good morning. All right. Well, welcome to Stonebridge. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor. And uh, just just a little bit more clarification on Intro to Stonebridge today. If you just want to come find out more about our church, um, it's just going to be right there. You can just walk right on over to that trailer. We call it the Cube, and we'll have a light lunch. And it'll only be half hour, forty five minutes, uh, if we can get Joey to not talk so much. So no, it, it'll it'll be short and sweet, and uh, just kind of whet your appetite for what's going on here, catch the vision for what's happening. So. If you want to check that out, we would love to have you. Uh, if you don't know Josh yet, uh, Josh and Kate Beeman. Josh was in here drumming, did announcements. He's our new youth and worship pastor. Um, make sure you, you get to get, get a chance to say hi to him and, and get to know them a little bit. Um, I wanted to I wanted to invite you to to turn to Psalm 23. We've been going through the Psalms this summer, and we're in Psalm 23 today. Because it's June 23, so Psalm 20. No, it had, that was just coincidental. But while you're turning there, um, I want to tell you about a summer of mine. Uh, it was going into my senior year of college, and I had worked out at camp as a counselor basically every summer that I could remember before that. But this summer, uh, I needed to make a little more money uh, to pay for a certain wedding ring because uh, I wanted to propose to Heather. So I'm working at a vet clinic as a handyman. Now, if you know me, um, that is pretty ironic because I am not a handyman. Um, but I figured some stuff out and put some stuff together and watched some YouTube clips and figured it out. Um, but I was totally outside of my comfort zone. And uh, I wasn't in a Christian bubble. I, I was going to Northwestern College, or I guess it's University of Northwestern now in St. Paul, um, at Bible College. And, and then I was at camp, and now here I was in a, in a more uncomfortable environment, definitely not a Christian bubble, a little, very little contact with my girlfriend at the time, Heather, who was working at camp. Yet, that summer was one of the most peaceful times of my life. About one day a year, Sometimes two, if I really need it. But at least one day a year, I try to just go out to ledges or do a state park, just get outside, read my Bible, pray, and fast. And those usually are some of the most peaceful days of my year. And just about every morning, I open up my Bible and I talk with God and spend time with God. And those are almost always some of the most peaceful moments of my day. Why? Why are those moments, those days, those seasons so peaceful? Because I took time to be refreshed by God. See, it's not enough to just know that the Lord is our shepherd. We need to experience that the Lord is our shepherd and enjoy him as our shepherd. He's our shepherd all the time. We just need to recognize it and let it move us more and more. So Psalm 23 calls us to that, to be refreshed by our shepherd, Jesus. So today, as we're going through this psalm, I don't want you to just learn more about our shepherd. I want this learning to propel you into experiencing your shepherd more on a regular basis. So I'm going to read it. And I want you to just take this in. 
saints and, and, and people uh, for years, centuries, have been blessed by this chapter. And it's probably the, the most popular chapter in the whole Bible for good reason. And so uh, I, I'm approaching it with, with a bit of trembling this morning because it's so powerful and it just speaks for itself. I, similarly to when I taught on 1 Corinthians 13, it just stands alone and it's so beautiful. So let's take this in. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's just take that word by word. The Lord. This is, this is the Hebrew word Yahweh, which is the personal name of God. Only people who personally loved God and worshipped God called him by this name. And that's what David does. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. My. He uses personal pronouns throughout this chapter. And if you count them, it's 17 times he does this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's incredibly personal to David. Yahweh is not just generally a shepherd. He is David's shepherd. He cares for and understands him personally. And he's a shepherd. I mean, who better to to help us understand the role of a shepherd than David, who was a shepherd for a lot of his life before he became king. And he spends the rest of the psalm describing Yahweh, God, as his personal shepherd. He's saying, because he's my shepherd, it says, I shall not want. Or I think better translated in a way that we, we can understand is, I have what I need. I have what I need. How? What do we need? Well, a shepherd, God, our shepherd, provides, leads, protects, and cares for us. That's what we need. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, no, I don't need those things at all. I need my circumstances to change. You don't understand what I'm going through. And God is saying, no, you don't need your circumstances to change. You might really want them to change. What you need is me. What you need is a shepherd to provide, lead, protect, and care for you through those circumstances. We could just stop right here with verse 1. I mean, if we believed that God was our personal shepherd, that the Lord is my shepherd, and I actually have everything I need right now and every moment, that could help us as we walk through valleys, as we we go through life. If we just believed that day by day, moment by moment, it would radically change the way you live, the way you love, the way you act, the way you react. So I challenge you, memorize verse 1. Memorize the whole thing. But if anything, just memorize verse 1 and let that shape the way you live. The Lord is your shepherd. You've got all that you need, even when it doesn't feel like it. 
But he continues, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He provides for us. He provides. He provides for our needs. And he says, here's what we need. You need rest in verse 2. He makes me lie down. What a humbling reality. That our bodies were created to need rest. It reminds us that God is our shepherd and we're just the sheep. He is God. We are not the shepherd. He is. We need to rest. And he provides rest for us. And what we really need is rest for our souls. He provides opportunities for us to find rest in him alone. As the psalmist says in Psalm 62. And he also says that we need to pour out our hearts before him. That's how we find rest for our souls. Do You take opportunities to rest that God gives you. Even if it's just on your car ride from here or there, on your car ride home. Are you taking opportunities to rest in God? To open up the Psalms, to open up His Word, to turn on worship music, to pray, to engage with God and receive rest. From the only place we can find true rest. Or are you just trying to find rest in other things that will only leave you restless? So he provides for us. He provides rest. He also provides nourishment. It says, makes us lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside still waters. See, green pastures were hard to come by for shepherds at this time. It's a very arid climate out in the middle of the desert. Shepherds would travel up to 1,500 miles in hopes of finding green pastures sometimes. we can be sure that God, our shepherd, is leading us. If we're not in them now, he's leading us to them, to green pastures and still waters. Now, to understand that this, you have to understand in the desert, it obviously didn't rain very much. That's what makes it a desert, right? But when it did rain, uh, there would be huge torrential floods, okay? And there would be, um, there would be big, just big streams of water coming, not streams, like like raging river sort of thing coming by. And sheep are really skittish creatures, okay? So they would not drink out of that water. So the shepherds would have to make little pools over here when this would happen. So it would be still water so the sheep could come and enjoy it and actually drink from it. God provides spiritual nourishment for us in the same way. We always have his presence, we always have his word, and we always have his people, or at least most of the time we have his people around us. There are green pastures that he has provided for us to feed on and to drink from. His presence, his word, and his people. But here's the thing, you won't always feel nourished and good from his presence His word and his people. Sometimes you'll feel like you're just talking to the ceiling when you're praying. Sometimes you'll feel like your your Bible is just another book. Just words on a page. And sometimes you'll feel abandoned and betrayed by God's people. But here's the thing. Your shepherd is leading you to green pastures. Even if it takes 1,500 miles to get there. We need to cry out like... The psalmist in Psalm 63 does. He goes, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We're in those spots sometimes in life. 
or we're not feeling it, but it's still true that He is present. It's still true that His Word is His words. And it's still true that His people have the Holy Spirit inside of them. And God will lead us to those green pastures even when it doesn't feel like it. So He provides for us. He provides rest. He provides nourishment. And He provides refreshment. Verse 3 He restores my soul. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, said this, When the soul grows sorrowful, he revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. When it is weak, he strengthens it. He does it. Wherever you're at today, the shepherd of your soul brings refreshment. If you're hurting today, He wants to breathe fresh life and healing into you. If you are stuck in your sin, He wants to help unshackle those chains and help you obey. Maybe you're apathetic and cynical. He wants to put fresh joy and purpose back into your veins. Maybe you're really anxious. He wants to calm you with His presence and His peace. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're insecure. He wants to infuse you with strength and confidence. How does He do that? He does that by restoring our soul with His presence. You know, one way that God did this for me and for my wife, Heather, is with our our child, Ian. Okay? Um, You can throw that up, that picture. So, um, we had a miscarriage before we had Ian. And that that was really difficult, obviously. And many of you can relate to that. But Ian is just full of smiles, okay? And he is just, in, he's just incredible. He's been such a refreshment to our soul after a terrible circumstance. Now, God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that to me. And I know there are many of you who can't get pregnant, and I am so sorry. But this is a cool way that my shepherd brought me refreshing. And it's my prayer that if you're in a similar circumstance, that he will bring you refreshing in a very specific, personal way to you. So God provides for us. He also leads us. He's a provider and, he, and then he's our leader. The end of verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us down right paths. You see, sheep... When left to themselves, they have, actually have really terrible eyesight. And they tend to just follow one another, which leads them to do really stupid things. Okay? Here's an example. I shared this a couple of years ago when we were going through the book of John. But I think, I, I, I think it's well worth sharing. So this was in the USA Today. This is a real story. Okay? Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week, while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine in the Van province near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 sheep who survived. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. The loss to local farmers was estimated at $74,000. 400 sheep died because they followed each other off a cliff. And then another 1,100 followed after them, even though they died. I mean, sheep are just incredibly dumb creatures. 
when left to themselves, they desperately need the leadership of a shepherd. And so when it says that he leads us down right paths, we need it. I need it. You need it. Left to ourselves, we are sinful. We're broken. We just go down paths that are terrible for us. And he leads us down them. And he leads us down these paths because his reputation is on the line. It says, for his namesake, he leads us down these righteous paths. For his namesake. It's for our good, but it's also for his glory. Because it makes the shepherds look bad. Think of these shepherds. They were sitting there having breakfast. How bad did they look? Right? So God's reputation is on the line. So he lovingly leads us down right paths. And he does that most clearly through scripture. He's, giving us, he's given us the Bible to help us understand what paths we should take in life. I'm wondering if you use it in your decision making. He's given it to us. That's, how, that's one of the ways that he leads us. Or do you just disregard your good shepherd's leadership? Now I understand that the Bible doesn't tell you what career you should have or doesn't tell you uh, where to move, or, or it doesn't tell us the specifics about our lives. But it does have principles to guide us in those specifics. And so, are you in it at all? Because every time I've had decisions to make on specific things, I've found direction from God's Word to help me understand what the right path is. That's what our shepherd does. He leads us down right paths for His name's sake. So He provides, He leads, and He protects Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God doesn't protect us from the valley. He protects us through the valley. He doesn't protect us from the valley. There's no magical bridges for shepherds and sheep walking across the desert when they come to a ravine. They have to go through it. And the same thing is true for us. We live in a broken, sin-stained, messed up world. And so we will go through hard times. We will go through suffering. Maybe you're walking through a valley right now of deep darkness. We live in an enemy-filled world. There's really no escaping that until heaven. But God doesn't just say good luck. He leads us through the valley. How does He do that? Two main ways, He says here. He does this with His presence. For you are with me. Notice He changes His language here in verse 4. He's talking about God. He's saying He leads me. He restores me. But now He's saying, no, you are with me. In the valley, he's right beside you. Not in front, not behind. Sometimes that's where the shepherd needs to be as he leads. But God, our shepherd, needs to be right there with us. And he is. And David is clinging to that. He's going, you are with me. I know you are with me. You're right here, right beside me, God. So for us, God is right there with us. He's our shoulder to cry on, to lean on, our hand to hold. In my opinion, I know there's other opinions, and so that's why I say it's an opinion. But in my opinion, a father during childbirth should be right there beside 
the wife, she has the child saying, you know, no matter what happens, no matter what you scream at me, no, <laughs> no matter what happens, even the worst possible thing happens here today, I am going to be right here by your side. That's what it's like. He's right there with us through the valley. We need to remember this. We need to believe this. This will utterly transform your valleys. Oh yeah, I'm not alone. Oh yeah, he's right here to lean on. If or when this is you, you need to cry out like David and go, you are with me. Even if it's hard to believe. No, you are with me. And I'm going to believe that. I'm going to cling to that. I'm going to cry out. You are with me. Absolutely, radically transform your valleys. Carrie Job sings a song called, I am not alone. And she's crying out, when I'm in deep darkness, I know you are here with me. I am not alone. I am not alone. If you're in a valley, I encourage you to check out that song. It's been incredibly life-giving to me as I walk through different valleys in life. Reminds us of what's true. That he, he leads us through the valley. He guides us through the valley with his presence. The second way he does it is through his comfort. Now, it's interesting. He says, the rod and the staff comfort me. The rod comforts him. Okay, now the rod for, for ancient shepherds had three uses. And this is, this is fascinating. I, I learned this this week. So, one use is what you would think of is to defend sheep from predators. So you're going through the valley. You never know what's going to be behind the next corner. And so if a lion jumps out or a wolf or, or another, another human trying to steal the flock, he's going to get his rod out and give him a good whooping, right? You know, there's stories of David defeating lions. He's probably using his rod. Defend the predators. And so for us, we have spiritual enemies. The Bible tells us there's this unseen battle going on all around us all the time. But for us who believe in Jesus, Romans 8 says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? And the answer is, nobody, nothing can. And so there's always this unseen battle going on. Where our shepherd is, is so comforting that he is out there using the rod to fight off our enemies. Especially when we're in the valley. The second use of the rod was to examine sheep for evidence of parasites and ticks. So think about it. Even small spiritual enemies like lies and fears, they often do the most damage in our lives. Just like parasites and ticks do the most damage to a sheep because they don't even know what's happening. How comforting is that? That our shepherd is looking out for us, even in the most small, minuscule ways. He's fighting our battles third way the rod was used was to discipline sheep. Sometimes sheep would go off the path. They would go over here. And you're going through a valley. You don't know what's coming. So that sheep can't go over here because I can't protect you. So he gives them a thump out of love back into line. That's good. It's loving discipline. Sometimes God convicts us of sinful ways that we're dealing with our circumstances or dealing with life or our valleys. Ways that Paul Tripp would say we're troubling our own trouble. He's like, you already have enough trouble in this valley. Don't make it worse. Get back in line. 
Go down the right path. You can't get through this valley by yourself. So he comforts us with the rod. He also comforts us with his staff. This is his tender guidance. Staff, think like the shepherd's hook. You know, you got the children's Christmas play going on. The shepherd's over here. Shepherd's hook, you know. So shepherd's hook was used for uh, tender guidance. And and Timothy Laniac says this, who, who did some research on shepherds. He says, that staff is a symbol of care, useful for pulling branches down for sheep, rescuing animals trapped just out of reach, and for duty newborns for their mothers. I've watched shepherds moving swiftly with their staves among thousands of ewes that were lambing simultaneously with skillful but gentle strokes. The newborn lambs were lifted with the staff and placed side by side with their mothers. It's a touching sight that can hold one spellbound for hours. In the most vulnerable, helpless times, our shepherd is there to comfort us, to gently guide us. Staff comforts us. So our shepherd provides, he leads, he protects, and he cares. Verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Prepare a table before me, it says. So, out in the hill country, in the deserts, there were, there were flat areas called tables. And so shepherds would often stop there and give their sheep some food and some rest. And he would do this often in the presence of their enemies. So there was always wolves and people and lions lurking out in the distance, ready to strike. But even in sight of those enemies, the shepherd is making them lie down, and get some rest, and have a feast. The Lord cares for us, even in the valley. We can have peace and joy. Because even though the devil is chomping at the bit to destroy us, we have our shepherd there protecting us. Going, no, enjoy me. Enjoy what I've given you. Yeah, they're right there, but I'm here protecting you. Lord cares for us. You're not overcome by fear, but by peace because of his care. It says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Pastor Warren Wearsby says this, the shepherd would examine the sheep as they entered the fold to be sure none of them was bruised, injured, or sick from eating a poisonous plant. To the hurt, he applied the soothing oil, and for the thirsty, he had his large two-handled cup filled with water. He would also apply the oil to the heads of the sheep. Um, I'm sorry, to the heads and horns of the sheep to help keep the flies and other insects away. Sheep knew they were safe and they could sleep without fear. See, this is how the Lord actively cares for us all the time. He knows that the, the evil that's out there, but he's protecting us from it right now. And in the midst of trials, he... He does allow those to happen, but he allows them to happen for our good and for his purposes. So even in the valley, he's actively caring. Verse six, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
follow um, is, is not quite what the, the original language is trying to say. Pursue is a better word. It's not like, it's not like in a caravan, not a Dodge caravan, but like a caravan of vehicles. When you got that vehicle in the back just lagging behind, you're like, where did they go? Did they take a wrong turn? What's going on? Okay, that they were following us. It's not that type of follow where you're just always wondering if they're there. It's pursuit. It's like an employee pursuing a raise or a promotion. That boss has to, never has to wonder if work is getting done by that employee because they're in pursuit of a raise. Whenever they, that, that boss has something that needs to be taken care of, that employee is right there. Yes, sir, I'll do it right away. That is God's goodness and mercy. It's in pursuit of us. Our shepherd's goodness and mercy and steadfast love is always right there. It's not like, where did that go? Is, is, is he good? Is, is he loving? Is he merciful? No, it's right there. Even in the valley, God is actively loving us. The band Ren Collective said this, I'm counting every blessing, counting every blessing, letting go and trusting when I cannot see. I'm counting every blessing, counting every blessing. Surely every season you are good to me. See, they're reminding themselves that God's goodness and mercy is always in pursuit of them. But look at the end of verse 5 and verse 6. It says, sorry, verse 6. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? How can we be sure of that? We're sinful, broken people that do not deserve anything from God. Why would his goodness and mercy pursue me, pursue you all the days of our lives? How do we know we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever? That is a bold claim. How can we know that? Well, I want you to turn to John chapter 10 with me. Jesus has the answer. This is how we can know that for sure. John chapter 10, 11 through 18. John 10, 11, this is Jesus talking. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have, a, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. Excuse me. The only reason we can be sure that his goodness and mercy pursues us and that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever is because Jesus laid down his life for us. 
He said it five times in that passage I just read. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. Because that is what a good shepherd does. That's what a great shepherd does. When there's a threat, they're willing to protect and fight for their sheep no matter what, even if it costs them their life. And that is what Jesus did by going to the cross. Psalm 23 is actually all about Jesus. Your good shepherd. He gave up his life for you, his sheep. So I want to close in the only fitting way to close a sermon on Psalm 23 by reading it. And I want to read Psalm 23 in the New Living Translation just for a fresh perspective. And what I'd like you to do is close your eyes and just have your hands open like this, like you're receiving something from God. And as I read these words, I want you to receive this from him. These healing words from your good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a Feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you sent Jesus to lay down his life and be our good shepherd. I pray, Father, that Psalm 23 would be a guide and a source of strength and encouragement for all of us as we walk through the valleys in this life, through those those dark valleys that are full of suffering and death. God, we have the assurance that you are right there with us and that you are comforting us with your rod and your staff. You tenderly care for us, God pray that each person in here would know how deeply you care for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.